the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Moss Nissan. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. It's not enough that we sin, but we've got to encourage others to sin. We enjoy people sinning. We watch them in the movies sin. We watch them in magazines sin. We watch them on television sin. And we get a great kick out of it. Isn't this our world? Educators promoting sexual wickedness. Politicians seeking to legalize wickedness. Making it socially acceptable. The media propagating human perversion. We're not just content to do it ourselves. We want to applaud and encourage others to do it and join us. A lot of effort goes into making what is obviously wrong seem right, doesn't it? We have this built-in desire to violate our built-in sense of right and wrong. It's a sad situation, but there is a cure, and it's the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Peter Silseth, and I'd like to welcome you to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there since 1981. Pastor Steve is guiding us through the first three chapters of the Book of Romans. Today's class is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's message covering the last five verses of chapter 1. There are several theories about conscience. One theory put forth by Sigmund Freud viewed the conscience as sort of a moral code impressed upon us by society. Jung, on the other hand, agreed that society does put its moral code into our minds, but theorized that we have a mysterious natural conscience as well. Well, there are lots of other ideas about the origins of our conscience, but no one seems to actually know where our consciences come from. Well, almost no one. To learn about the source of our consciences, there is no need to look further than the passage that we are studying today on verse by verse. There is a lot of bad news in these three chapters, but we have set the stage for the wonderful news that we will find later toward the end of chapter 3. Now, here is Pastor Steve. Our world is characterized as being without natural affection. Mothers who kill their unborn children and then have the audacity to say it really wasn't a life. Fathers abandoning their families, children neglecting their aged parents, child abuse, divorce rate. That is what the Bible means by unloving, without natural affection. Then unmerciful, cruel, and ruthless, without any pity. We show more tenderheartedness towards animals than we do towards people. Man is so cruel to his fellow human, from, from children in junior high school age who are cruel and ruthless and, and will literally destroy one another's self-image by making names up and, and calling kids certain names and picking on them, 
All the way from junior high, junior high age children to the sophisticated world of Nazi Germany and its concentration camps. It is a world that is unmerciful. Now, this is the catalog of iniquities that Paul has mentioned. We've just gone through it very quickly. And it describes our world. It describes Paul's world. And it describes every society who turns from the knowledge of God because it describes a world in which divine wrath is being displayed. You say, wait a minute, I've heard all of my life about the, the noble savage. Certainly people out in, in Africa and South America and the jungles out there are not, not like this. They're, they're, they're nice, they're warm-hearted. They don't in, engage in this kind of stuff. I was going through our missions file this week, and I came across a letter in correspondence from one of our missionaries, Art Yoner, who, uh, this is back in November 12th, 1969, Art, for years, worked in, in Suriname, South America, amongst primitive jungle tribes. And this is what he said. I won't read you the whole letter, but just a part of it. He says, please don't let up on the prayer on that end. The devil has come in as a roaring lion. The casualties are high. Many precious Indians have fallen into his snare. We are right in the midst of puberty rites. We have witnessed two complete ceremonies. Demon possession was evident. The ceremony consists of frenzied dancing, drunkenness, open experimental sex, and the placing of stinging ants on the bodies of the young. He goes on to say other things, but basically that destroys any notion that we might have about the noble Savage. There is no noble savage. There's just people who have been abandoned by God because they have abandoned God themselves. Man left to his own depraved mind creates a hell on earth, a civilization that destroys itself by its own wickedness. That's the wrath of God displayed. And don't blame, don't blame God for it. People throw out their hands and say, look, if there's a loving God, why does he let these things happen? God doesn't want them to happen, but it's man's responsibility. It's man's fault. Blame man because man has turned from God. And God, because of being a just God and a holy God and a righteous God, turns man over to do what he wants. Man is just getting exactly what he asked for. That's the wrath of God displayed. But there's still one more thing Paul wants to say to prove to us that pagan man is unrighteous. You haven't heard this before. I haven't even mentioned it in the outline. In fact, it just came to me this week as I was studying it. The wrath of God defied. God's wrath is defied. Man is defiant towards a holy, righteous God. Look at verse 32. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are unworthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. This is the final proof that the heathen are unrighteous and guilty before a holy God. They know that what they do is absolutely wrong and that they deserve the judgment of God. That's what he's referring to, not just dying, the judgment of God for their sin, and yet they still continue to sin. And they even go beyond that because they applaud others who do the same things. That's what he's saying. They just applaud others. That's wonderful. That's what they're doing. Folks, this is the highest form of man's depravity, the highest extreme. And he isn't ignorant of doing wrong. It isn't that he could say, I didn't know. Nobody told me this was wrong. He is aware that his behavior is evil and that God hates his sin and will condemn him forever for it. And yet society doesn't repent. 
as a whole. Individuals do, but not as a whole. Society defies God's wrath by continuing to practice these things and even approve of others who do them as well. You say, do people really know that what they do is sin and that someday God's going to judge it? Do they really know that? Absolutely. That's what verse 32 says. Why do you think that there are so many who are burdened under the load of guilt? I was speaking to someone recently and I said, have you ever experienced guilt? This person said, oh, absolutely. And I could tell by the, by the expression on her face that she understood guilt and the burden of it. Our world is filled with people who are loaded down by guilt, filled with that anxiety. They try to relieve their guilt feelings by psychiatric help, by rationalizing, by justifying, by just escaping the feelings of guilt they go through, through drinking or drugs. And why? It's because deep down in their hearts they know that they've sinned and that God will judge that sin. Even if they deny that there's a God. Even if they deny that there's a God, they know intrinsically, they know deep within their heart the truth. People who are involved in cults, who say there is no hell, there is no afterlife, there is, there is no punishment for sin, that person knows deep in their heart. They may not admit it to themselves, but deep in their heart, they know that judgment is inevitable. Their sins are worthy of death. They know that. They understand that. Why? Because heathen man has always known right from wrong. In fact, every person here, whether you were raised in a Christian background or not, knows right from wrong. How do do we know that? Look at chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For when Gentiles, and he means here the pagans, when Gentiles who do not have the law, that means the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law the Jewish people had, do instinctively or by nature the things of the law These, not having the law, are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law, look, written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. What's he saying? When God created man in his own moral image, he wrote his moral law into the very nature of man. Man has a conscience, a moral monitor, and he knows what's right and he knows what's wrong. Why else does heathen man try to find forgiveness through religious observances such as pilgrimages, uh, fasts, self-inflicted lacerations, and, and all other things? Why? Because he knows his sin deserves the judgment of God, and in desperation he's trying to avoid it. Men know the difference between right and wrong. Why do you think the laws of our lands condemn many of the iniquities and sins that we mentioned today? We know that it's wrong to murder. That's why we have laws about it. We know it's wrong to steal. That's why we have laws about it. We know that it's wrong to break our our covenants and break our contracts and agreements. And we have laws about it. We even have laws about slander and juvenile delinquency. Why? Because intrinsically, we know that's wrong. You say, but wait a minute, not all of these things have been listed. That's true. But even when there isn't a law written down about something, There are many things that are socially unacceptable. Yes, you can get away with it and you wouldn't have to go to jail, but it's socially unacceptable like lying. We know that's wrong. We know that's wrong, regardless of of how much of the Bible you know. You know that's wrong. You don't even need a Bible to tell you that's wrong. I remember years ago when I lived uh, in in New York City, we used to have these stores that were kind of candy stores, luncheonettes, and there were baseballs there. They would kind of be compared to like racquetballs today. And uh, there was a whole box of them. And uh, I looked at that. I, 
never heard anything God's word. Maybe I knew Psalm 23, and that was about it. I looked at that box of, of balls, and I thought, boy, I don't want to spend any money on that. So when the owner wasn't looking, I took one, I put it in my pocket, and I went to walk out. And then my conscience began to deal with me. I didn't know the word of God. I didn't even know the, uh, about the Ten Commandments. My conscience so dealt with me. You're probably wondering what I did. <laughs> I didn't always obey my conscience, but that day I did. I went back and, and I put it back. We have a conscience. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. But even though our society knows these things are wrong and worthy of death, they continue to do them and even go to the most extreme defiance of God's wrath, God's hatred of sin, by encouraging others to defy the Lord by sinning. I used to work with a man who would get into another guy's toolbox when he wasn't there and steal the peanuts my other co-worker used to keep in his toolbox. If anyone else was in the shop, he would offer peanuts to them as well, clearly hoping that he would be less guilty if he shared the guilt with others. He was defying his own God-given conscience, something we've all done from time to time. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Let's take a very short break to greet those of you who just found us on your dial. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a study of the first three chapters of Romans, which deals with God's wrath. We're nearly finished with chapter 1, so if you have your Bible, please turn to verse 32. Here is Pastor Steve with the rest of today's class. We're about to see why Paul wrote so harshly and just how relevant his words are for us today. Man is so far from God that he even delights in the sins of others. You know this expression at the end of verse 32? In my version, it says they give hearty approval. That word means to applaud the sins of others. I said they just applaud. They stand up and say, continue. It means to have pleasure in the sins of others, to have a sort of, of morbid fellowship with the evils of others. It's, it's an encouragement to sin. It's not enough that we sin, but we've got to encourage others to sin. We enjoy people sinning. We watch them in the movies sin. We watch them in magazines sin. We watch them on television sin, and we get a great kick out of it. Isn't this our world? Educators promoting sexual wickedness, politicians seeking to legalize wickedness, making it socially acceptable, the media propagating human perversion. We're not just content to do it ourselves. We want to applaud and encourage others to do it and join us. You see, the world defies God's hatred of sin by continuing to sin and applauding others who join them. Now, what's the point of all this? You say, where are you going with this? What's the purpose here? So just to tell us how evil we are? No, no. Don't isolate the scripture from the rest of its context. Paul is saying the heathen are unrighteous. Man is not good. He may do some good things, but inside, in his very nature, is bent as evil. He's unrighteous. He's hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. That's the point. Paul wants the heathen to understand how sinful they are. Why? Because unless you see how unrighteous you are and hopeless you are apart from Christ, you'll never see your need for Jesus Christ. Never. Unless you understand that apart from Christ, you are condemned, you'll never see your need 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to see this, because we need to see that Jesus Christ provides the righteousness that we need to stand before a holy God. And that righteousness is given to us the moment that we turn from our sins and we put our trust in Christ and Christ alone. What you need to do is recognize that you have committed every one of these sins, if not outwardly, then inwardly, and that you deserve the judgment of God. Now, that, that's the bad news. But you've got to hear the bad news before you get to Romans chapter 3, which says that we are justified or declared righteous by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the good news is that Jesus Christ took your judgment. He took your death so that you could be forgiven. Now, that's, that's the point of this. That's one point of this. There's a second point. The first point was really for those of you who may not know Christ. You're hopeless apart from him. God wants you to be so desperately uh, seeking him or desperate and see your desperation that you will seek him. But there's a, a point here for believers because remember, Paul is writing to the believers at Rome. He's really not writing this primarily as an evangelistic tool. He's writing this to the believers at home, and I would, I would call your attention back to verse 16 of chapter 1. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. They were saying at Rome, Paul, you'll never come to Rome with that gospel. You'll stay away from here because it'll be scrutinized here. It'll be investigated. It'll be dissected and proven that this gospel of yours is illogical and unreasonable. And Paul says, no, that's not it. I'm not ashamed of this gospel, this good news. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'll go anywhere with this gospel because it is man's only hope and solution to the sin problem. And what Paul, in essence, is saying to those at Rome is that, look, Rome is a pagan center, is the pagan center of the world. And you at Rome need to understand that your world is filled with unrighteous pagans. And I am not ashamed of this gospel, and you need to be unashamed of it too. You need to share this gospel. You need to spread this gospel. You need to not be intimidated by the philosophies of your day, because this gospel is the only hope to man's sinful, depraved condition. And can I say that to us as we wrap this up? This gospel is the only hope. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is the only hope to an unrighteous community that we live in, or any community that you live in, if you're visiting. This gospel is one to be carried to the ends of the world because there is no other hope. Man has been abandoned by God because he suppressed the truth. There is no hope. Legalizing things will not ultimately change things. The world is going to get worse and worse and worse. And you might ask, where is it going to end? You know where it's going to end? It's going to move right into the tribulation period. Right into the tribulation period where whatever restraints God still has in society is going to be lifted as the church is raptured and the Holy Spirit has a different function in that day and age. And the Antichrist is going to be ushered in and hell itself is going to break loose. And we'll continue to break loose until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. The world is not going to get better. The tide is only coming in and rushing in. There's no way out except through Christ. Society will not reform itself. It will not get better. But individuals 
Individuals can escape the judgment of God by recognizing that Jesus Christ took our judgment, paid for our sins, all the sins that were spoken of in Romans chapter 1. And if we just trust his death for us, transfer our trust from ourselves, from our good works, from our, from our righteous deeds that we think we've done, from our church attendance, from our morality, over to Christ. The Bible says you are forgiven of your sins and you are given clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ so you can stand before a holy God. That's the message of Romans 1. The wrath of God has been defined, it's been deserved, it's been displayed, and it's been defied. And the issue is, what will you do with that understanding of God's hatred towards sin? Let's bow for prayer. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, this is a great time to do that. But first, you have to see how unrighteous you are. You are not righteous. I am not righteous in myself. There's no one here that is righteous in themselves. I hope this study has brought you to a place where you realize how unrighteous you are, how hopeless you are apart from Christ. But how refreshing it is to know, even, even as Renee sang before, unfailing love. That's our God. He has a, a hard line against sin, but oh, how he loves us. How he loves you, how he loves me. And God so loved this sinful world that he gave his only begotten son. That if you individually put your trust in him, you'll have eternal life. Would you do that? Would you trust Christ? We're not going to manipulate you. We're not going to put human pressure on you, but we invite you to trust Christ right where you are. Call upon him. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is the only deliverance that a sinner has. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And believers, can I say the message to us is that we ought not to be ashamed of this gospel, ought not to be intimidated by others, ought not to feel like we're intruding upon them if we share this message of Jesus Christ, because there is no other message that we have. There is no other hope. There is no other deliverance to man's sinfulness. Father, we thank you for opening your word to us. We thank you, Father, that you've given us a clear understanding of how you feel about sin and what you've done about sin. And we pray that you'll help us to respond properly. We pray for those here who might be without the Lord Jesus Christ, that they'll see how much they need him. Only the Holy Spirit can show them. Draw them to yourself, Lord. And for those of us who know you, help us to have renewed vision and, and zeal to get the gospel out, not in an obnoxious way, but in a loving way, Lord, that we might recognize, even as Paul did, not be ashamed of this gospel, not be intimidated by others, not be, not be timid, but to get this gospel out because in it, your righteousness is revealed. May we remember these words and may our behavior reflect it. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Peter certainly was not ashamed of the gospel. He said, There is no other name on earth given among men by which we might be saved. The name he was talking about was the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. 
Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes of the air are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. It's a faith ministry supported by listeners like you. We are on the web at versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you are ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, we hope you can come worship with us. We are easy to find at 1893 Sunset Point Road, midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. Stick around after the service and introduce yourself to Pastor Steve. He would be delighted to meet you. If you would like to hear the entire message from which today's class came, you can order a cassette or a CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Perhaps you are a highly moral person. Maybe not a Christ follower, but at least not like the people Paul wrote about here in Romans chapter 1. It's tempting to call out a few amens as the Apostle Paul and Pastor Steve tear into all those horrible sinners. It's really tempting to say, yes, preach it. Paul has bad news for those of us with what my pagan dad used to call Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.